The rates of diabetes are going up. So it's been estimated that one out of four or five people in the United States have diabetes. And 25% of these people even don't know about it. When you say that they don't know about it, they, they don't know that they have it. So right. they're just kind of walking around and they have no idea. Exactly. Well, hello there. And welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen this week, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. The keto diet. It is as popular as ever. But as millions thumb their nose at carbs and turn toward meat... Are they putting themselves at a higher risk for diabetes? That is the question we'll be answering on today's show, as I'm joined by Dr. Hanna Kaliova. She and her team have been taking a close look at the connection between low-carb diets like keto and insulin resistance in the body. And what she's found is that there are really three key problems that millions have with their diet. And these problems, they're making people sick, and they're even causing them to die at a younger age. And these problems, they also fall right in line with low-carb diet guidelines. So today we're going to be learning about those red flags, what to look out for so that we can hopefully live as long and as healthfully as possible. And then we're going to be jumping across the Atlantic over to England where the plant-based scene is taking off. Emma Humphrey, she spends her days making house calls to sick patients and her nights teaching yoga on the Isle of Wight. She's going to be here to talk to me about the health community and how it's shaping up over there. And she's really cool. She came all the way here to Washington, D.C. to intern with the doctors at the Barnard Medical Center so that she can take what she learned from that nutrition-conscious crew up there and then apply it to her own practice back home. So she's going to be talking about her experiences and the plant-based scene over there and even about convincing her own skeptical mom to go plant-based. And that's a really neat story, by the way, about how passionate her mom became about health. And we're even going to hear about how popular the keto craze is over in England. So there's a lot to dive into today. And let's get started with some science and Dr. Hanna Kaliova as we attempt to answer the question, can keto cause diabetes? Continuing here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Really excited. It's time to dive into some brand new research. We're going to be looking at the link between the keto diet and diabetes. The two kind of go hand in hand, but in a good way? Not according to the Director of Clinical Research here at the Barnard Medical Center. That would be Dr. Hanna Kaliova. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, keto diet and diabetes. You study a lot uh, when it comes to diabetes, and the keto diet is always such a very popular topic on this show. A lot of people are like, keto, keto, keto. You know, they're keto champions, but 
from everything that we've kind of heard on the show, keto is maybe not the way that you want to go. So what are you seeing in terms of keto and diabetes? Right. So, you know, many people, when they think about diabetes, they think, well, the sugar is the problem, right? Mm -hmm. And the carbohydrates. We're eating way too many carbohydrates. So if we limit them, uh, that will, you know, make diabetes go away. Right. Uh, so the the approach is uh, to avoid sugar. Um, it, the the approach is also to avoid the carbohydrates that are um, in whole grains, in fruits, in legumes. Uh, these are also sources of carbohydrates. So uh, although we don't recommend people to eat unlimited amounts of sugar and drink sugar-sweetened beverages that are obviously not healthy foods, um, the question is, will you get the benefits uh, when you limit the consumption of these healthy carbohydrates, like in grains, in uh, legumes, and in fruits? Right, as you would on the keto diet. And, uh, you know, the the answer is in one of the papers that has just been published in The Lancet, one of the leading journals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they um, analyzed data from uh, 195 countries uh, over a period of time of 27 years. That's a pretty big study. It's a huge study. Uh, it got a lot of attention um, in the media. And... Uh, it's called the Global Burden of Disease Study. Okay. And uh, they were looking at different foods and your risk of death, your risk of dying prematurely, mm-hmm. and also your risk of disability. And they found three major uh, nutritional problems worldwide why people are dying sooner than they have to, and why they are more sick than they have to. So, what are the three? So one of them uh, is um, eating not enough whole grains. If you're not eating too, you know, enough whole grains, um, then you are at a higher risk of dying sooner or having a disability in your life, like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, right. or cancer. Um, the second uh, nutrition-related problem is not eating enough fruit. Huh. All right. So, so now we've got these, carb, carb. Exactly. These are sources of carbohydrates. Right. Whole grains and fruits right. are the major sources of carbohydrates. So why would you avoid these healthy sources of carbohydrates mm-hmm. that prolong your life and make you healthier? What was the third? And the third one was a high intake of sodium. Ah. Now, where do we find a lot of sodium? Processed food. Uh, processed foods, and more specifically, uh, especially meats. You know, you right. need to season the meat, For and sure. it's also cheese. You know, it has a low, a lot of sodium. Right. Right. So the animal products tend to be high in sodium. These are the major uh, sources. Well, before we get uh, deeper into that study, I want to go back to a point that we've made previously on this show, and that is really that not all carbs are created equally. I think that by and large as a society, carbs get all lumped together, whole grains, fruit, and, you know, let's just use a powdered donut, you know, would all get thrown into that same category. But truth be told... You're really trying to compare apples and oranges at that point because the carbs that you would be getting from said donut are far different 
than something that you would be getting from a whole grain or a piece of fruit. That's correct.、Uh, the processed carbohydrates、uh, will get into your bloodstream very quickly,、mm-hmm. will raise your blood sugar, and then、uh, one or two hours after the meal, your blood sugar will drop dramatically, and you may experience hypoglycemia. Your blood sugar may be too low. You may be hungry, nervous, anxious.、Uh, you know all that kind of stuff. While if you eat the same amount of carbohydrate from fruits or whole grains. Um, this, these foods will keep your blood sugar more stable.、Mm-hmm. Uh, is that?、Uh, I think that this is something that we've touched on on the show as well. Is that because of it takes longer for the body to process that food and break it down, so you don't get that same kind of sugar spike that you would, or or that insulin spike, or you're the doctor, you tell me that you would from eating those refined carbohydrates. So the unprocessed carbohydrate. Containing foods、uh, have a lot of fiber,、mm-hmm. uh, typically. Uh, so whole grains and fruit contains also fiber, not only the sugar.、Mm-hmm. Uh, compared with, for example, sugar-sweetened beverages or processed foods. Gotcha. And how big of a problem now is diabetes? We hear a lot about the obesity epidemic, and we see those rates continuing to climb. It, you know, we're up to two thirds, if not more, of this country is either overweight or obese. I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood now of seventy percent, and I believe that that trend is continuing. And I would imagine, with diabetes being so closely associated with obesity, you're starting to see the diabetes rates also increase. Exactly, the rates of diabetes. Are going up, so it's been estimated that one out of four、uh, or five people in the United States have diabetes, and 25% of these people even don't know about it. When you say that they don't know about it, they they don't know that they have it, so、right. they're just kind of walking around and they have no idea. Exactly, and they can. This is very dangerous. Diabetes、uh, doesn't hurt. Uh, you know the diagnosis is done、uh, by a blood test.、Mm-hmm. You know you need your blood sugar to be tested in your blood.、Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you may not notice, and、uh, this is dangerous because you can be developing the late complications of diabetes without even knowing you have diabetes. Right. So by by the time the symptom does show up, like it's it's、yeah. almost, you know. You, It's not too late. I don't ever want to say it's too late, but you're going to be in a, in a bad way.、Um, I want to ask you、uh, about the risks. Then of we've scratched the surface on this eliminating carbs altogether from the diet because this is something that's so popular. We saw it not long ago with Atkins when that was very popular, and now we're seeing it again with the surge in popularity in the keto diet, and yet. From what it is that you and I are discussing, you eliminate those unrefined carbs, those natural carbs from the whole grains, from the fruits. You you take those out of the diet, and I believe that we're seeing studies now that show that you're actually increasing your risk of of an early death. Exactly, and why is it so? So once you start limiting your carbohydrate intake, once you start counting the carbs and you know counting how many potatoes you're eating and try to avoid the rice and the pasta, what are people mostly left up with? You eliminate that. You've you've got meat. 
you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. And Meat and dairy, cheese is right, left, right? Right. Um, with a little bit of lettuce and a little bit of tomato. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so just, that's just a little. Don't want to overdo it on the lettuce and tomato. <laughs> that's supposed to uh, solve the diabetes epidemic, mm. you know? Uh, doesn't sound like it, right? But more, more importantly, uh, let's look at the long-term studies. Mm-hmm. What do they show? Once people are on low-carb diets, what do the long-term studies show? Do they actually have a lower risk of diabetes or no? And the answer is, if you are, you know, on a low-carbohydrate diet for like 10 years or 15 years, your risk of diabetes is 37% higher compared with a person who consumes a high-carbohydrate diet rich in whole grains, legumes, and fruits. All right, say that again. Say that, say that again. That is a really, I mean, that is a jaw-dropping stat. Say it again. So if you follow a low-carbohydrate diet for 10 or 15 years, your risk of getting diabetes is 37% higher mm. compared to a person who follows a high-carbohydrate diet rich in fruits and uh, whole grains and legumes. And I believe that that number was attained from a long-term study. Is, That's isn't correct. that correct? I, you That's know, correct. So this isn't like a, a small sample that, uh, that we're discussing here. I mean, this was, this was a big time. Study. And we we should also make the study publicly available uh, together with the podcast. Sure. Um, uh, it's a study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition in mm-hmm. 2011. Uh, and it's a large study including more than 40,000 um, health professionals um, that were followed up uh, for Twenty years, two decades. Exactly. That's a long time. You can get some good yeah. data out of a twenty-year study, huh? Thirty-seven uh, percent. But then, when okay, so that's diabetes. But let's let's just look at the risk of death overall, because there have been other studies on this. When you take carbs out of the equation, and you're seeing, uh, you know, the overall risk of death there, like that's a pretty significant jump as well, right? Exactly. So. Um, these are also data from uh, the U.S.-based cohorts uh, that are large. Uh, so one meta-analysis uh, that pulled together several large studies like this that included data from more than 200,000 people concluded that following a low-carbohydrate diet for a long period of time increases your risk of all-cause mortality uh, by 31%. Mm. And now, why did these people die? What were the causes of death? That's, that's I mean, you, all causes of death, there are quite a few. So let's, let's definitely pare that down a little bit. But mainly cardiovascular disease and cancer. Huh. So if you want to die sooner and if you want to die painfully, please follow the keto diet. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, you know, thanks for saying please, but I'm going to politely decline and say no. I would like a, uh, a painless death if, if at all possible. Um, and, and again, this is another big uh, journal. Uh, talk to me about the increased risk of uh, cardiovascular mortality there in, in uh, these studies. It, it, was, it was a pretty big number as well. Exactly. So uh, the risk of cardiovascular disease increased by 14%. Right. And the risk of dying of cancer increased by 28%. So then 
in your presentation, you have a very funny picture of, uh, and I really hope that people can see you uh, in person. Um, I'm just going to hold this up for the camera. Hopefully you can make that out. That is a picture of Mr. Bean with a question right up at the top. Why then would you do that? Right. Why would you? I, I mean, that's a fair question to ask at this point. Why is when we're talking about the adverse effects of keto, we've talked about kind of the funnier side effects, the diarrhea that comes with it, the bad breath, you know, those types of unfortunate odors. But now we're talking about a life and death situation. I'm not sure that people really hear about that. When they hear about the keto diet, it's all about, wow, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to feel great. I'm going to look great. And that's all that seems to matter. Exactly. That's exactly what has been advertised, right? Keto diets for weight loss. And, and it's also important to ask yourself, you know, is it a healthy way how to lose weight? What are what are my alternatives? Mm -hmm. Can I lose weight in a healthy way? Can I uh, not only lose weight, but also promote my overall health mm -hmm. instead of, um, you know, putting my uh, health at risk? Have you noticed uh, as a physician that really people kind of think that if they lose weight, everything else kind of falls into place. Like that is the right. key to overall good health. If you lose weight, you are going to be healthy across the board. Not necessarily true. Uh, correct. You can be losing weight, but if your uh, diet composition is unhealthy, if you eat a lot of meat, a lot of cheese, a lot of animal products, uh, you may even your cholesterol may go even up, and your cardiovascular risk may may go up, mm -hmm. even even though you're losing weight. It's, and and that's something that really doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Uh, and. Really, I didn't even talk about it too much until I, I started working here. I just remember being that overweight individual, that 420-pound guy wanting desperately to lose weight to get healthy. And that's what it was. You lose weight, you get healthy. And you really had no other idea that there is kind of so much more that goes into it than just losing the weight. You could be the thinnest person in the world, but if you're eating nothing but bacon and American yeah. cheese – you're not going to be the healthiest person in the world. You're still going to have, from what you're saying, those increased risks of, of diabetes, of hypertension, of cardiovascular disease, all of those things, yeah. despite the fact that you're thin. Exactly. Your arteries still suffer from the excess of cholesterol and from the excess of saturated fat in your diet, even though you may be thin. Is that then why in a lot of these cases, some of them at least will hear about he was so healthy. He was always out there or she was always out there running or playing sports. Athletic, and then right? suddenly she, he or she dies of, of a heart attack seemingly out of nowhere. I would think that at least not in every case, mind you, but in a lot of these cases, that could be directly attributable to their diet. Absolutely. And guess what? Uh, the diet also affects your performance in sports. Hmm. So for for those of you uh, who are, um, you know, interested in sports, who are physically active, uh, there's a study that's a crossover trial. Mm -hmm. So they took uh, 16 healthy athletes and in a random order, they put them on um, a keto diet for okay. four days and on a high-carbohydrate diet for four days. And they were tracking their endurance and their power. And uh, the results showed that on a keto diet, on a low-carbohydrate diet, uh, the uh, 
power was decreased by 7% and the endurance was decreased, was lower by 15% compared wow. to the high carbohydrate diet. This is only four days, you know. Right, uh, right. We may probably have a, a larger difference um, with a longer period of time. And these were healthy athletes. That's really kind of fascinating. I, you know, even before I started studying nutrition and cleaned up my own health, dating back as far as high school, we were always taught, you know, before a game, you know, make sure that you eat your carbohydrates because you're going to need that energy. And so it seems to me like for an athlete to declare carbs the enemy seems to be kind of counterintuitive like you you kind of know like common sense should tell you that that probably is going to have an adverse effect on your performance exactly and the studies are confirming it what do we know about the risk of diabetes among the various diets out there so non-vegetarian diets keto would fall into that versus somebody maybe lacto ovo or you know just vegetarian, and then the vegan diet. What is the overall risk of diabetes in that case? Yeah, so large studies have shown that uh, following a plant-based diet decreases your risk of uh, getting diabetes the most. Mm -hmm. uh, a lacto-ovo-vegetarian diet also decreases your risk of getting diabetes, but not as much as a complete vegan diet. Gotcha. Um, so the more strict you are, you are uh, about restricting your animal product consumption, uh, the stronger you are on a total vegan side, the better for your diabetes risk. You wanted to talk a little bit about this study uh, that uh, looks at the effect of a vegetarian diet on insulin resistance and oxidative stress markers. Um, for those who aren't familiar, what is an oxidative stress marker? So oxidative stress is one of the main mechanisms behind aging, behind diabetes, behind cardiovascular disease and cancer, all the chronic diseases. Okay. Um, and uh, there's an imbalance, especially in people with diabetes, um, between the production of oxidative stress and uh, between the antioxidants that should counterbalance the oxidative stress. Right, right. Uh, and, uh, you know, we consume some of the antioxidants. For example, vitamin C is an antioxidant. Right. Or vitamin E. So we consume some in the foods. So obviously, you can help your body uh, increase the antioxidants through what you eat, through your diet composition. Uh, but we have put uh, people um, with diabetes on a plant-based diet for uh, 24 weeks. Uh, that's six months. Right. And we compared uh, their ability to counteract oxidative stress um, with the people that were on a diet that's just, you know, recommended by the American Diabetes Association. Um, that means limiting your carbohydrate intake, limiting your portions, mm -hmm. and limiting your overall energy intake. The energy intake was about the same uh, in the ADA recommended diet and uh, in the plant-based diet. Okay. Uh, 
but the oxidative stress markers uh, were substantially different. So uh, we not only showed that the plasma levels of vitamin C, for example, increased in on a plant-based diet. That's what you would expect. People were eating more fruits and vegetables. Right, right. So these antioxidants increased in their blood. But also, uh, the enzymes that are being produced in your body as a response to oxidative stress increased uh, in on a plant-based diet, hmm. which means that these uh, people were able to cope better with the oxidative stress. Um, they were able to cope better with their diabetes, w- with their overall aging process. Oxidative stress, uh, would that be... Could you say free radicals would be another yes. another word for that? So oxidative stress is a synonym uh, to um, the damage caused by uh, free radicals. Gotcha. Free radicals are just missing an electron and I are highly reactive. That's why they are so dangerous. And uh-huh. we ju- our body just needs some coping mechanisms uh, to get rid of those. So Okay, so I, d- I did not know that until just now. A free radical is missing an electron, yes. and that's what makes it so dangerous. Yeah. Interesting. I did not know that. Look at you bringing the science <laughs> to the show. That's why I love it when you're here. Um, talk to me about beta cell function here. What did, what did you find out? Uh, so people with diabetes uh, have a higher insulin resistance, which means they produce enough of their insulin. However, their cells are not as responding as well mm-hmm. to the insulin in their blood. And the insulin is not able to react with the receptor and get glucose in into the cells, um, which also puts a higher demand on their insulin-producing beta cells in their pancreas. And that's called the the beta cell function, the ability to produce insulin according to your body's needs. Obviously, uh, if you eat a meal with some carbohydrate, you need to secrete insulin in order to put glucose inside the cells. Right. So the beta cell uh, function is a is a proxy for your ability to secrete insulin according to your body's needs. And what we did, we put people on a plant-based diet for 16 weeks, and uh, we were tracking their ability to secrete insulin after a standard breakfast. And what we found out, that after 16 weeks of the study, people were able to secrete more insulin after the meal. So their beta cell function improved, you know, which is like the goal uh, in the treatment of diabetes. Sure. Because um, your beta cell function declines over the time as, you know, your diabetes progresses. Right, right, right. So that's like a big fear that you will lose all your beta cell function and you will need to take the insulin shots. So if we, you know, here we came up with a therapy that's completely natural. It just requires you to change your diet a little bit. Uh, But once you do, you're able to improve your beta cell function instead of, you know, just watching the beta cell function decline over the time. Give me an idea of what it was that they were eating for breakfast. Did you give them a specific menu to follow? Um, so they were eating a complete vegan vegan diet, okay. and it was also low fat. 
so they were avoiding all animal products. They were eating only grains, vegetables, fruits, and uh, uh, legumes, mm-hmm. uh, beans, and uh, we limited the amount of oil they were putting in into their diet. So their overall fat intake was uh, up to 20 to 30 grams per day. Gotcha. Uh, so for breakfast, they, you know, they may have had oatmeal with some fruit, or a, a rye bread toast uh, with tofu scrambled. These might be a good, you know, a good example sure. of, of a healthy breakfast. Sure. Uh, for lunch, um, you may have, uh, for example, a, a bean burrito and a salad, or pasta with marinara and basil leaves on the top. Uh, again, with fresh salad mm-hmm. and uh, dinner may be uh, something uh, that's simple. Uh, it may be, for example, baked uh, potatoes with some veggies and some uh, and with some beans. Mm. That all sounds pretty tasty. Mm. They're, they're, they're not wanting. And there weren't any restrictions on the types of fruit or that people were eating. I mean, I know that Correct. pineapple is one that can maybe you see a little bit more of a spike in, in, in your blood sugar after eating that, but we didn't limit any fruit. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, were you restricting portions or anything like Not that? Not at all. Wow. No carb counting nor no portion limits. That's my kind of diet. That's my kind of diet, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that quite a bit. Um, so it seems to me, uh, let's let's kind of put a cap on this. If you are diabetic, pre-diabetic. Type 1, type 2 diabetes, doesn't really matter. Keto, Atkins, carb-restrictive diets, not the direction that you want to go based off of everything that you've you found. Correct, uh, because uh, Atkins or a keto diet would just um, shorten your life uh, and would put you at a higher risk of cardiovascular disease and cancer. Good Lord. It would shorten your life. And I think that that's really all that you need to hear, boys and girls. It will shorten your life. And those are uh, some serious studies. I mean, we're, we're talking about 20-year studies and huge meta-analyses of, of many, many, many cohort studies. I mean, this is this is kind of indisputable data, right? That's correct. Yeah. All right. Dr. Hanna Kaliova, Director of Clinical Research here at the Physicians Committee. A pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Chuck. Dr. Kaliova, always bringing such interesting nutrition science to the show. You can find a link to that long-term study on the effects of low-carb diets and diabetes that we were talking about. That link is in the show notes for this episode. And the good doctor and her team of researchers have also been busy recently exploring the link between diet and asthma. Some important findings there. I didn't realize how many people actually have asthma, about one out of every 12 or 13, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. That's a lot. So some important research there that we undoubtedly will be talking about in a future episode. Stay tuned. But right now, let's go ahead and turn our attention to England, where the keto diet is popular, but also where plant-based diets are picking up a great deal of steam on their own. Emma Humphrey is about to join me during a break from her rounds upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. 
She's a paramedic by trade who now does house calls for sick patients. And Emma, she's really driven to help people, not just through medicine, but also through fitness with her efforts in the yoga world. And she wanted to come all the way from the Isle of Wight, her home, to see how the doctors here are counseling patients on nutrition in hopes of being able to do the same back home. But I thought that this would be a good opportunity to check the pulse of the plant-based scene in England. And Emma, as you're about to hear, she's going to tell you that it's booming. Booming to the point where her own mom, once super skeptical, now has her own thriving plant-based business. As we continue here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee, we are recording this in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., but we're going to hop the pond, as it were. We're going to talk about how things are over in England with the vegan scene, and for that, we are welcoming a longtime listener of the show who is actually here interning this week at the Physicians Committee, Emma Humphrey. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm excited. Like When you and I have been talking back and forth a little bit online, and then you messaged me out of the blue one day, and you said, hey, I'm coming. Like, what, you know, what should I do while I'm here? Are there any speaking things? Whatever. Yeah. I was like, that is super, super exciting. Like, I'm happy that you are here. Me too. Yeah. yeah so it's a great place. How, how has it been for you? Like, yeah, what have you learned? Good. Oh, everything. It's been, uh, what about the Washington or? Uh, well, where, let's anything. start with the plant-based <laughs> thing. We don't, we don't have to go over the history of Washington. Yeah, I've learned a lot about Washington. Um, <laughs> yeah, plant-based. I've been uh, really, really fortunate to be shadowing Dr. Loomis, which is really exciting. Um, and he's basically sort of taught me how to bring in sort of plant-based conversations and conversations about um, diet and lifestyle and things within healthcare. So right. that's what I'm learning. Really good. How popular is plant-based eating over where you are versus here in the States? What differences have you noticed? Um, It is getting more popular in the UK, definitely. Um, Recently, over the last couple of years, it's really shot up. There's definitely a lot more plant-based options. A lot of the big supermarkets um, have plant-based options. They've all got like... A lot of them have got their own cheeses and their own things like that. And there's you can get plant-based milks everywhere. So um, it's getting a lot easier for people and a lot more accessible, definitely. What about restaurants and things like restaurants that? Restaurants are really good. They're actually probably – a lot of the vegan options are probably better um, more so than like – or there's more of them than like the vegetarian options now. And a lot of the vegetarian options can also be made vegan, and that's quite a big step. Um, so, there's yeah, a lot of the restaurants are doing vegan versions of – whatever right right so, yeah it's really good there's a lot of um a lot of options now that's good yeah. that's that's really good to hear yeah. um i'm curious because uh let me let me just ask you this being an american we believe that the perception among foreigners is that we are a bunch of overweight unhealthy people <laughs> is that accurate is that the accurate belief um well, for some people, maybe, but I think there's there's a mixture. I think, like, if some people were to think about L.A., you would think about healthy people running on the beach and um, doing, like, what's that beach where they have, like, the, the big gym outside? 
Oh, a like? Venice Beach? Yeah, yeah, like Muscle Beach. Or Muscle Beach, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's like a perception. I think like uh, LA and it's very, um, yeah, health orientated. And then um, I suppose it depends on like the state and stuff. They've probably got their own like, if you think of, I suppose the south and like texas you think of like cattle and that sort of thing um but in general um it's okay to be honest yeah i don't there's a perception i suppose but not versus the uk i don't think there's a versus gotcha for me okay yeah i think there's healthy and unhealthy people in both right definitely so well here's my next natural question for you emma is i think that everybody who adopts a plant-based diet does so because there's some story behind it Mm -hmm. they were motivated what is your why my why so it's definitely changed over the years so i was i've never been a huge meat eater in my family we've never really had it's never meat has never been a huge central part of our sort of diet ish um uh, I didn't eat a lot of meat growing up. I never really liked the texture or anything like that. Um, and then, and I've never really been able to process dairy that well. That's never really sat well with me. Um, and then about five years ago, I was pretty much vegetarian. I had fish on the odd occasion. Um, and I started getting an overactive thyroid. And um, instead of going on medication, I sort of talked to my doctor and I wanted to try and um, do a bit of research. And I was quite into health and sort of well-being and stuff back then anyway. So I wanted to research what I could do to um, to help myself. And I basically then sort of through research found plant-based diet. Um, and that was sort of showing as being good um, and beneficial for it. So I basically gave myself about three months and I went completely whole food plant-based and then after three four months had my bloods done again and everything was fine it's been fine ever since and I felt because I didn't I didn't have to switch that much to make that change yeah um but I felt so much better and yeah and I was like this is it now I'm I'm not changing back and then I think once you sort of I think everyone goes to that stage if they whichever way they come through to a plant-based lifestyle they um, find out the other benefits towards it whether it's environment or animals anything like that so you can't help but read more of that stuff Um, so it's definitely my the ethical side and the environment and things have have definitely um, come in over the years yeah so I think it's almost impossible for anybody who adopts a plant-based diet to not you know touch on the other aspects of it yeah it's it's beneficial for so many different things so yeah, yeah it's great yeah, that's cool uh so <clears throat> hypothyroid or hyperthyroid Hyper. Hyperactive, okay yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we just learned about that recently on the show as part of the your body mm. and balance series uh, dr barnard's new book mm-hmm. and uh talked to some extraordinary people uh one of whom was actually a neurosurgeon oh wow um who had a thyroid problem mm-hmm. and um you know just like you you know he changes his diet and mm. then all of the sudden it, it just like it cleared up straight yeah. away it, it didn't take hardly any time yeah and i don't think mine wasn't too bad that i needed to go on medication straight away they said well if you want to do this trial that's fine we can just monitor you and um yeah it was fine right yeah uh were you concerned at all about like any other long-term medical conditions like in my family uh, there's a lot of alzheimer's there's a mm. lot of cancer uh, you know um, yeah, I was quite. Well, I'm quite lucky. There's not that much of it in my immediate family, um, but my mum actually had a high 
hyperparathyroidism as well and she was on medication for quite a bit um, and I saw her go through it a few years before so I didn't really want to go down that path mm-hmm. so that was quite interesting but she's doing really well now too and she's actually now plant-based that's outstanding yeah. I know that there's a story there so <laughs> we're, we're going to touch on that um, but w- let's talk about what it is that you do for a living mm-hmm. and why it is that you're here interning now so yeah. what what is it that you do so um, I'm a paramedic by trade but I work in a general practice now so I um, still do the odd uh, days with the ambulance service but my nine to five Monday to Friday is um, in a general practice and I mostly do um, home visits for the GPs so I see people in the community um, and then I help with an emergency clinic in in the surgery so um, I basically wanted because now I'm learning more about chronic uh, management of illness and things and uh, I wanted to just see how it's done here and see how um, lifestyle and diet is, is worked into a conversation and then help the patient with practical tips that sort of thing we're working hard to <clears throat> kind of bring those conversations into more mm. doctors' offices. Yeah. And I know that uh, right now, I mean, mm. kind of upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center where you're interning, mm-hmm. uh, that's the exception. The majority of yeah. offices still aren't having those types of conversations no. with patients. Yeah. Is it the same over? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's not a lot of um, diet and lifestyle conversations that much, really. Yeah. Right. Happening. So, you know, what is the patient told? Is it mm. still like you just need to lose weight and mm. exercise more or is it a little bit more refined than that? Uh, it's, it can be depending on who you see. Some people are a bit more knowledgeable, definitely. Um, but we do have, uh, you can get referred to a dietitian and things like that and um, and they can definitely help. But in a general sort of practice, they only have like sort of 10 minutes with a patient. Uh, so they can't go over what you have for breakfast, lunch and dinner and then really get into it. There's just not the time. Um, So it would be definitely helpful to be able to have more sort of practical tips and and quick tips Mm -hmm. to to help in that time. So that must be frustrating for Mm. you who actually sees patients to be so limited and not be able to really delve into the root cause as opposed to just treating symptoms. And I'm I'm quite lucky because when I do home visits, I can spend a bit more time with people. So that's where I would like to make a bit of benefit and um, actually speak to them. And within their own home, you can sort of see what their lifestyle is like and, uh, and, and get a bit deeper into that. Yeah, so, yeah. Do you find that most people are receptive to that? Some people are. Some people are just really don't, they get that sort of um, prescription for diet and lifestyle and that's it. They don't really, where does that go? Then they're, then they're right. on their own and they don't really, yeah, understand what they need to do. They want practical tips. They want, um, yeah, actual tips to, to go forward and a bit more knowledge. So. Yeah. So some people are definitely receptive, some people not so much. Well, it's got to yeah. feel good when somebody kind of engages you in that yeah, conversation and, yeah. and wants to dig deeper. Yeah, yeah, it's quite nice. It's quite, um, yeah, quite beneficial for both, I think. The concept, by the way, of home visits in medicine <laughs> here in the U.S. is one that faded away years ago. You know, I hear stories of my mom and my grandmother growing up, how the yeah. doctors would make house calls. Yeah. That doesn't happen here that much yeah. anymore. You know? um, that's why um, a lot of a lot of practices are uh, adapting, and different healthcare providers are coming in. So um, there are a lot of surgeries that use paramedics and and different sort of healthcare uh, professionals to do those, so that the the GPs can stay in the practice or um, just see the patients that they need to see gotcha. um, for whatever reason, and then we can help with the the more acute stuff. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So you like it? 
Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Learning a lot, definitely. Clearly, you're passionate yeah. about it, you know? <laughs> like, uh, so many people come through these doors, and they, they want to acquire this knowledge and then take it and kind of change the world. Um, in the practice that you work with, what is the pulse of nutrition among the other doctors and paramedics and whomever else is on mm. staff? Are they open to the plant-based concept or are um, you just kind of on your own island at I'm the moment? I'm kind of, kind of on my own island, on an island, yeah. Um, but some people will talk to you about it, but um, there's definitely patients bring in uh, sweets, chocolate, and, like over Christmas and stuff. There's so many things that you just wouldn't associate with being in a healthcare um, setting but yeah we definitely have there's access to cakes sweets biscuits right cookies yeah um, yeah. yeah everywhere and, so yeah and and I mean doctor's offices here I mean the the stereotype is that you see the doctor you get a lollipop on the okay, way out yeah. you know yeah, or yeah. a sucker whatever it is that you want to call it <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes too if you're sneaky okay um, <laughs> but but yeah you know and and that used to seem so normal to me yeah. um, really well into my mm. 20s but you know now being on the other side of things i just kind of take a step back i'm like mm. are we kind of defeating the purpose there yeah. a little bit you know but you don't get a lollipop you might get a sticker Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Is it scratch and sniff anyway? Is it fancy? <laughs> I don't think we've got to that stage. <laughs> um, speaking of which, did you see this uh, really randomly? Uh, this this doctor, a uh, professor over at Oxford, has developed a patch that you scratch it and it smells like bacon and that's I supposed to I just read curb. something about it and it's meant to curb your cravings. Yeah. yeah. I haven't read too much into it, but I saw it online and was like. Yeah, it's that's my, in- interesting. It's my goal in life to get that professor on this show. Like, <laughs> what a unique concept. Yeah. I, I really want to dive into whether or not this thing can actually work. Mm. Like, yeah, uh, that is be- interesting. Uh, because my gut tells me if you smell uh, something that, that smells good to you, it's going to be enticing. Yeah, surely it's going you're going to want it more. Exactly. Yeah. So what is, this, what is this gentleman thinking? Yeah. What is his logic? I don't know, mm. but we're going to find out. I wonder out. if they've done studies on it. To oh, I'm sure yeah. he has. This guy's like a, a sensory expert. So oh, he okay. does, you know, taste, smell, yeah. um, all of that good stuff. So uh, that that will be interesting. And I, I think that that will be particularly interesting with colorectal cancer awareness month coming up in March mm. and processed meat, that yeah. huge tie into yeah. that. So mm. it's like, so here we have this patch. Look, if it genuinely helps, I'm all about it. it. Works, like scratch it, it, sniff it, and be healthy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely a new trend. Um, the keto diet. That's a big thing here. You talk about bacon. Bacon, mm. obviously, on the keto diet. Is that popular yeah. over there, too? Yeah, it's popular. Yeah? It is, definitely. Um, I think because people generally, at first, they can see some sort of results and like their blood sugar might come down and they do lose a bit of weight. But I, I do think that we're going to run into more problems later on down the line. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, I would think that just eating all of that meat, yeah. cholesterol is bound to rise. Well, the fat, a lot less yeah. fiber. They're just not having correct. Um, yeah, less fruit and vegetables. Like right. fruit is not right. Like, yeah, where's not the allowed. yeah? Where's the fiber in this yeah. diet? You know, yeah. um, I know that there are ways that you can do a keto diet. Um, plant based. Plant based. Yeah. Um, I'm. You know. Yeah. I'd I'd like like to to hear more about that. I'm curious. But Mm. at the end of the day, you know, it it just it still seems like it's a a high fat diet. And even if you take the plant based aspect out of it. Yeah. Again, as we've said on the show before, common sense at some point has to kind of kick in. Yeah, definitely. I would like to that'd be interesting to do a study with some patients to 
to see people have probably already done it somewhere but with me so like plant-based patients keto patients and then see what their bloods and stuff do and yeah and really um yeah compare the two I would love to see that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you look at Game Changers, yeah. I'm sure you saw that documentary when they did the, the, yeah, blood the blood test yeah. and you could, like, literally tell what it's they crazy. ate. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and, it, I mean, it's mm. it's just, like, really used, broken down oil yep. that's just floating around in there. And then you've got this clean, pristine yeah. blood. Yeah. And, you know, like, if you need any other evidence, man, like, that's <laughs> not that's it I, yeah. I don't know what else to tell you the game changes has definitely uh hit the uk hard there's definitely a lot of people more it, interested in the plant-based lifestyle because of it definitely you have a lot of football players over there soccer here in the u.s that uh that are adopting the plant base um i don't know if uh soccer players that i've heard of but there's definitely a fair few people that i know that have been really um interested in it after seeing it especially men that have that conception of meat is like macho Her so, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um all right well let's let's talk a little bit more about you because you do you kind of take this this all-encompassing approach to wellness like mm. you almost take the dr dean ornish approach mm. where you know it's it's about it's like not just pillars, what you yeah. eat it's like this whole holistic yeah embodiment mm-hmm. here so you yeah. you're like pretty big in the yoga world as well right i don't i, I will I say that yoga. you are pretty big <laughs> no, in the I'm yoga not. world i teach yoga <laughs> i know how many followers you have on instagram you're doing all right okay, miss humble over there you know uh but how does that factor into you know your your thought of overall wellness yeah i definitely think it's a, a huge importance and i think um we the world that we live in is super stressful and I think people definitely need that time to have practical solutions to moving more, stressing less that, and eating better. So definitely um, it helps with everything. You think then that stress is a big contributor to, to poor diet? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, if you're stressed and then you're, it's going to impact your sleep, you're not going to sleep as much and then you're going to be craving more or like eating more bad things and you're not going to make as good as choices and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, definitely. I think it all goes in a, a big hand in hand or big circle. Right on. And, yeah. and you kind of, when you bring in your yoga students and the the studio gets full up like you don't just teach the yoga like you actually like bring a nutrition component into it yeah, as well so right? we uh, a, a lot of the end of my classes will have like an energy ball that i make or something like that and then i do um like plant-based mornings where we have uh people can come and do yoga um and then we have like a plant-based brunch lunch type thing Yo. So, yeah that opens people's eyes up to hopefully some new recipes and some new foods that they might not have tried. Are they like, uh, let me see if I can put this in a British way. Are they keen <laughs> to come in because of the plant-based options or is it just I think be- a bit of everything, yeah. yeah. I think it's a generally sort of you spend like three hours, two, three hours doing something like that and it's something for yourself and something you can take out of your sort of busy week and just take a few hours to, yeah, just relax and um eat some good food yeah. always always a good plus what percentage would you say of your students actually are plant-based um i'm not sh- i think i've got i mean you can ballpark it it doesn't have to i don't be think exactly. many very very little probably okay. like five percent if that and most people um, there's a couple of vegetarians um and a few people that are sort of very curious yeah. So yeah we've got where i live there's quite a lot of new vegan places that um like healthy vegan places as well as the sort of more junk food vegan um that are definitely 
catching people's sort of curiosity and they're doing pretty well. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the majority of people then absolutely positively not plant-based, mm-hmm. but uh, they, they enjoy the food Yeah, anyway. they do. Yeah, yeah, they do ask for recipes and, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully look forward to the food when I... When I make it, they so, say they do anyway. Well, uh, they wouldn't ask for the <laughs> recipe if they didn't. I guarantee That's you true. that. Um, what? So, what is the reaction when you tell them what's in the energy ball? I would imagine maybe dates. Yeah. And then- so yeah, so I know do like dates, coconut, that sort of thing, and maybe peanut butter, that sort of like the classic, and cacao, chocolate, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, people enjoy them. They're quite surprised that they're not full of like processed sugar Mm -hmm. that sort of thing um and then occasionally some i'll do like raw chocolate and that sort of thing so yeah people are quite surprised at how easy it is as well it takes five ten minutes to do an energy ball it doesn't take long so people are quite interested and i've had a couple of um students go away and make them and say that they've they've tried them and their family likes them and that sort of thing so giving them new options as opposed to a bag of crisps or a chocolate bar yeah look yeah. at you go okay See, <laughs> that's changing the world one person at a time um i can't wrap this up without also we talked about your your why i think mm. family is is a big one you mentioned mm. that your mom had some issues and, and mm-hmm. she went plant-based but mm-hmm. um i believe she, when you first made that decision she was like thinking yeah. you had lost your mind <laughs> she was um supportive but not on board sort of thing and I think a few of my family members friends and things didn't really uh yeah weren't too supportive definitely and I think over the years um so my mum watched what the health and then she was like I get it like I understand and now she has her own vegan business so that's quite cool um so I think a, a lot of people over the years they just take that time to um come around and just realize that it's not abnormal and it's fine and I haven't been ill and <laughs> yeah so yeah and then other people get on board whoa whoa whoa, whoa. so your mom who was mm-hmm. reluctant yeah now owns a vegan she business. does Wh- she what owns is the, it? the first vegan cafe in uh Barry St. Edmunds where I grew up in uh um in Suffolk in uh in the UK no kidding yeah what's it called Alison's Eatery. Alison's yeah. Eatery. And okay. she does like wellness evenings as well. And she does like themed nights, like Indian nights and things like that. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. And they're digging it, huh? Yeah. People love it. That's outstanding. Yeah. Good for her. There's a good call for it because she's the, there's vegan options in Barry St. Edmunds, but not one full place. And she has like a little bit at the back where she does, um, you know, like refills and zero waste stuff and plastic free things mm-hmm. and different beauty products and stuff and like cruelty free uh, things. So she's, yeah, she's doing pretty well. She's going full force with it. She really yeah. is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. she's touching on every aspect yeah, she's of it. There. Like we mm. talked about that holy trinity, animal welfare, environment, and yeah. health. And now she's got all of she's that on the in whole this thing. one shop. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. Good yeah. for her. And, yeah. her. and her thyroid is under control. Yeah, she's doing pretty well now. So Love I don't think she's on any medication for it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Good job, Mom. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. All right. So um, you are on the Isle of Wight, mm-hmm. correct? All yep. right. What, what part? Um, I live in a little – right at the bottom, basically. It's called a little, little village called Roxall in Ventnor. All right. And yeah. is that where your yoga studio is? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, What's it's in a, just up in a place called Braiding. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Your class is full, or can you get a couple more They're, people? Yeah, in they there? are full at the moment, but boo. Yeah, 
there's always there's always a chance people drop out. So all right, yeah, all right, keep an eye <laughs> out. Uh, where can people find you on the Instagram? You're a fun uh, follower. Yeah, so um, my Instagram is just Emma Humphrey, but it's spelled H U M F R E Y, and then Emma's yogaandwellness.com. All right, outstanding. Yeah. So while you're waiting to mm-hmm. get into her yoga classes, I guarantee you you can learn a thing or two uh, just by following her on the gram and heading over to our website you do a lot of great work and i'm really happy that uh that you're able to spend the week with us over here and i hope that really you you are learning a lot that you can take back with you and implement it in your own practice over there hopefully i can spread some good good knowledge i know and don't be afraid to tell the other doctors there too (laughs) i'll be i'll be giving them some information when i get home right on yeah thank you (laughs) thank you Emma asked me to say hi to her significant other. So, hi, Louis. She's coming home with a ton of fresh ideas, but my friend, I don't know whether she's coming home with a souvenir for you. I hope so, but you're going to have to check with her about that. (laughs) If you can't make it to Emma's yoga studio in person, fear not, because she puts up a ton of tips on her website and on Instagram that you can easily follow. Try out some yoga positions on your own. We've put a link to both in the episode notes right below. And from the bottom of my heart, Emma, thank you. Thank you for listening to the show and being such a great supporter. It means the world to me that you wanted to come see how we make this magic happen every week and sit down for an interview That, to me, is just incredible. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Emma. And you, my friend, what did you learn today? Hopefully, a thing or two about keto and the risk of diabetes. Remember, there are three diet traps that Dr. Kaliova mentioned that are causing us to live shorter and ultimately sicker lives. Eating too few whole grains, too little fruit, and too much salt. So avoid doing that and hopefully you'll be adding years, healthy years, to your life. What do you plan on doing with that time? I plan on making the most of it. So let's keep learning together because knowledge never stops, especially nutrition knowledge and health. There's so much in this nutrition science world. So go ahead and fuel your brain. Subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcast or Spotify, really wherever it is that you get your favorite podcast from, so that you can get this information right in the palm of your hand each and every week. Let's get healthier together. That is the name of the game. And along those lines, please also, when you subscribe, leave us a five-star rating, which will then help even more people find this inspiring and life-changing information. And for goodness sakes, share it with your friends on Facebook as well. Pass along that knowledge. And since you're in the sharing mood, why not keep on sharing and learning on social media as well? I'd appreciate it if you could take a second to give us a follow. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll, WLC. Dr. Neil Barnard, he's finally on Instagram as well at Dr. Neil Barnard. Dr. Neil Barnard, that's good for Twitter as well. And the Physicians Committee is at Physicians Committee on the Gram and at PCRM on Twitter. And if you ever have any questions, 
that you're curious about, something we didn't cover, but you really, really want us to, this is the time to go ahead and reach out. Don't be shy about sending in those questions. Tweet me, message me on Instagram or Facebook. What is it that you would like for us to talk about? What is it that you want to know? Let me know, and then hopefully we can get you some answers on a future episode. We're going to be opening up the doctor's mailbag again in the not-too-distant future, so go ahead and get those questions in. And that's going to do it for us today. My thanks again to Dr. Hannah Kaliofa and the amazing Emma Humphrey. For everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening, and remember, keep it plant-based.